Welcome back to the Laravel Podcast Season 3. Today, I'm going to be talking to Steve Shoger, co-creator of Refactoring UI and about 10,000 other products you probably already use. Stay tuned. All right, welcome back to Laravel Podcast Season 3. It has been a minute. It's been a couple of months since the last one, and we we're going to roll up, uh, finish up Season 3, and I let you all vote on who you wanted to hear from. And so we got three people who are at the end, and, and the first one is Steve Shoger, uh, designer extraordinaire, Twitter Twitter fame, uh, making books and making dollars. Um, and Steve and I have known each other for a while. We worked together at Titan for a while. I've also learned a lot about design from him, so I'm really excited to hear not about Steve, the designer, quite so much, but about Steve, the person. So first of all, uh, Steve, the first thing I always ask everybody is, first of all, say hi to the people. And then second of all, if you're meeting somebody in the grocery store and they ask, um, what do you do? How do you answer that question to them? So let's get started with that. Yeah, sure. Um, I usually I usually introduce myself as like my formal title. I'll, I usually say like UI graphic designer. Even that's weird because like um, depending on where you work, like my job title might be different. It's like either like UI yeah. graphic designer, visual designer, but I usually say like, yeah, UI, UI designer. And usually they have like a clueless look on their face. And I might say, <laughs> I usually say I, I design websites is, yeah. is kind of yeah, like yeah. the easy yeah. answer. It's, it feels like it's a little bit of like a, like a lame answer. Right? Like I say the same thing all the time. I'm like, I, make I know. Websites. And they're I like, get oh, all technical, but they won't get it. And, <laughs> exactly. And then some people yeah. are just completely like, if I'm talking to someone older, They'll be like, oh, so you like design books? I'm just like, yeah, I do. <laughs> it's easier to say yeah and move on and buy your yeah. tomatoes than actually have to answer it. Yeah, this conversation's yeah. over. <laughs> now, I, my my go-to for a while has been I make websites, and I'm getting more and more dissatisfied with it because I did it for a good reason, right? The, it's hard to have that conversation with those people. But then everyone's like, oh, you know, can you make my website for my, you know, mom and pop sausage shop or something like that in WordPress? And I'm like, no. No, I'm yeah. sorry. I know yeah. some people who make websites. So now I'm like, I want to like, I make web applications. I don't know. Anyway. So, okay. So, yeah. so you are right now, you're coming off the heels of a successful launch of refactoring UI and everybody in the entire internet heard about this thing and it's super exciting. But just a couple of years ago, you were working a nine to five and you know, you, you had not kind of achieved the level of Twitter fame. So we're going to kind of walk through that process. But before we go there, I want to learn a little bit about who makes the man who we know today. So where are you from originally? And when did you first get into design? Even in the earliest stages, whether it was drawing on your, your wall at age three or whatever, what are the steps you can remember that really got you to the point where you realized that design or art or creativity in general were things you might be interested in long-term? Yeah. So to your first question is I'm from um, Ontario, Canada, and I'm from a city called Kitchener, um, mm -hmm. which is about 100 kilometers outside of Toronto. And uh, it's kind of like it's a population of like 200,000 is the city of Kitchener. But like it's kind of this tri-city thing. There's like three cities next to each other to make one big city, which is about about half a million people. And, um, and I actually grew up in a small town outside of that's the city I live in now, which is Kitchener. Um, and which is like a, a city, a, like a small town of like 200, 300 people. Wow. And yeah. And, uh, and I started getting into design, I guess when, like kind of like what you said, like I started drawing when I was like a little kid, I would mm -hmm. like, I guess my mom put this like miniature horse in front of me when I was like, I can't even recall this. This is when I was like a baby almost. And I'd mm -hmm. draw it, but like I could, she acknowledged that like I, I, 
I could draw depth. Like, you know, when people like draw like a, a horse or something, they just draw like a yeah. stick figure or something, but I actually drew like, like the depth of like it, the, the angle of it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Huh. And she's so, okay, there's talent here. And, um, I guess that's, the earliest form of kind of what I do. And so I've always been into like art and, and I, when I was younger, I wanted to be an animator. I'd watch a lot of cartoons oh, cool. and stuff. And, um, I didn't really like when I was younger, like the job I have now was not even a job. Yeah. Like, so, um, I never designed on the computers until even until I got to like, actually like the first time I used like Photoshop was my first day of college. Um, okay. Yeah. Uh, so I'd be like doing art and stuff and I take like graphic design courses in, in high school, but they're like, they're not like computer based graphic design, right? Like it's like school, yeah. low budget. You're working with like pen and paper and yeah. you're drawing like letters and stuff. So yeah. Using rulers and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, like exactly. Exactly. Now, what, was that because your teacher said, you know, like, oh, there's all this newfangled stuff. But we want you to know the basics or was it not even in the context of the newfangled stuff? And they just said, this is what graphic design is. Yeah. I mean, I didn't really... I guess that's what I thought graphic design was. Um, mm -hmm. And and then when I got to college, then I started using Photoshop. And everyone around me in the classroom kind of got a handle on Photoshop. They they already kind of knew how to their way around it a little bit. Yeah. But the the course I took, it wasn't like graphic design. It was uh, multimedia design and production. So that's everything from like graphic design to mm -hmm. um, to video to a little bit of development to even a little bit of music production hmm. um, because I didn't know I wanted to do graphic design. So I kind of took like a, but I knew I wanted to do something in media. Okay. So, so when, was, so when you went up to college, what did you just said, I want to do something media related and you were still trying to figure out what exactly. And so you just tried a lot of different classes or. Well, it was like a course called multimedia design and production. It's all those things I kind of just said. And um, um, yeah, like I just kind of, Kind of, kind of get wanted to get my hands wet with everything and mm -hmm. and, and figure out from there. I didn't know what I wanted to do when I went to like I didn't know what I wanted my career to be. Let's put it that. Yeah, way. yeah. So, but you you did have a sense that it was going to be creative and you're going to making. So basically, that class was that class like the full spectrum of potential careers you're thinking at that point. So it's like yeah. a perfect. Okay, it was a perfect all in one experience and all of them. Did you come out of that class then knowing graphic design is it, or did it still take some time to figure it out? No, no, because. Um, like, I guess in high school, I wanted to be a rock star in high school. Right? Yes. <laughs> Tell me more about this. Let's pause college. Tell me more about this. Yeah. Like, um, I played guitar. I started, I picked up a guitar when I was like grade eight. So okay. like when I was 12, I guess. Yeah. And um, I got really into it. I'd spend like four hours a day. Like I'd come home from high school and play guitar for until I went to bed. That's amazing. And uh, All electric or were you an acoustic as well? Uh, I started on acoustic. Like I, the way I got a guitar is my... My great grandma passed away, and um, it was kind of like my inheritance. Okay, like not she didn't have the guitar, but like the inheritance money went towards the guitar. Yeah, and uh, so I started playing acoustic, and then I got I always wanted an electric guitar, so I mm -hmm. I picked one up maybe like first year of high school or something okay. like that, mm -hmm. and um, that's all I did. And I played in like the high school bands and stuff. Nice. Uh, I played ba I played bass guitar in the high school band and stuff. So, and I mean. That was just an unrealistic dream, but yeah, yeah. When you're in high school, you're just, you know, <laughs> I, I'm yeah. gonna make it. I'll, I'll be so. Be so when you were in high school, you legitimately were interested enough that dream that you thought I'm gonna graduate from high school and I'm gonna join a band or start a band and I'm gonna tour the world and that's where my money's gonna come from. 
Yes, yes. Okay. That's what I yeah, believe. Because yeah. <laughs> some people say that, you know, there is kind of like the side dream. Like that was the dream. So what, yes, what dissuaded was. you from that dream? Well, my parents, they're like, well, you yeah. should consider going to school first and then maybe think sure. about doing that, right? Okay. Yeah, yeah. So they were, they were trying to kind of weave them together a little. Yeah. So even when I was in multimedia design, I still had this music industry dream in mind. Got it. Got it. So I did the multimedia course. I graduated from that, finished it. And then there was this music industry arts program at the same college. I went to Fanshawe College in London, Ontario. Mm-hmm. And... um. That's really, it was really hard to get into it, but um, I applied for it anyway, right after I graduated from multimedia and they accepted me. So I'm like, well, and that's, I'm thinking, well, I might not be a rock star, but I'd love to be in the music industry, right? I'd love to do like music production. Um, So that course covered everything from music business to just being in the studio and Mm -hmm. recording artists and all that stuff, right? Um. Still an unrealistic dream. Like it was <laughs> like, look at the music industry now. Right. And, but I took that course and I mean, that's still my hobby today. So I don't regret taking that course. I learned a lot out of that course. Got it. Uh, but then when I finished that program, I, I was interning at like small record labels mm-hmm. and, and they all saw like the multimedia design on my resume and that's what I ended up doing at those labels, right? They ended up doing a lot of web stuff, a lot of Mm -hmm. like designing little brochures and one sheets, a lot of stuff like that. So I was doing that more and more and I was, and I kind of enjoyed it at this point because I was kind of doing it for something I really enjoyed doing. Yep. Um, And then, but I wasn't getting paid. It was all internships and stuff. And Oh, got it. Right. Um, And then I'm like, well, I got to get a job in this. And I tried to kind of follow my, music industry path but there's just there was no money in it right like yeah so i'm like well i you know i just enjoy doing this anyway so um and this is in like 2009 so right mm-hmm. at like the peak of the recession right yeah it was impossible for me to get a job i couldn't get a job anywhere right yeah yeah so i'm thinking well not a bad time for me to go back to school and i i already took kind of like multimedia and i'm thinking well what can kind of like leverage all these skills? What can I like kind of add to this? Mm-hmm. And I was thinking maybe I'll take like a marketing course or mm-hmm. like some kind of like copywriting course. So I took advertising copywriting at Humber College. Okay. Um, and, uh, and um, but when I was in school in that course, I spent way more time working. Like I so I was making like ads and like in this, in, right. in the course I was making like fake ads. Right. But I spent way more time working on the creative than actually like writing the copy. Yeah. And that year, I also spent a lot of time just learning web development. And I learned a little bit of this when I took multimedia, but I forgot everything I learned. So I was kind of relearning that stuff. And it was easy to pick up again, right? Uh, So Real quick, real quick. What what were you learning? Was it mainly HTML and CSS? Did you actually get into a CMS or anything like that or not at that point? Yeah, I learned about like, I knew what like WordPress and stuff, but even that was kind of like, like, it was a little too technical for me at that point too. Because like WordPress, you can use the templates, right? But I really wanted to make something unique, right? Like WordPress is always just like, you know, you got the header, the content area and the sidebar. And I didn't want that... Yeah. Um, I don't want that constraint. So um, I just started hand coding and I learned about a few other like CMSs at the time. I don't even know what they were called. If you asked, like 
but I, I tried them out and I found one that kind of worked for me and I built like a little blog for myself and I, I would never write at all, but sure. I, you know, that's like everyone who starts a blog and yeah. has the intention <laughs> to like write a post every week and some people succeed at it and I did not. Yep. I'm, I'm, and, I'm there with you, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, so I was doing that and then during this time in school, like maybe in the second, it was like a one-year program, like a postgrad program. And I took, in the second semester of that, I spent a lot of time, I realized I wanted to do like web design mm-hmm. at this point. And if I found a job before I finished school, I would have just dropped out of school because I already had two diplomas at this point. So right, it wouldn't right. have phased me to drop out. But I couldn't find a job. But I was doing like informational interviews where I would contact the company and say, like, I'm not looking for a job. I just want to, like, learn what you guys do day to day and learn about the company. Huh. And I did a, quite a few of those. And I it was kind of my way of networking. And you know what? I did do a little bit of, like, oh, this job, this place is hiring a, a designer. I'm going to ask if they want to do an informational interview. And I right. did that with a few companies. And one of my informational interviews turned into a job interview and they offered me a job like the day later. So that's how so I got my first job. Tell, tell me about the difference between an informational interview and a job interview when you know they're hiring. Was it because you didn't think you would have had the qualifications or do you think you're more likely to get in for the informational interview? Like what made you want to do this one type of interview versus just applying for the job? Um, well, if I did an informational interview, it's just like, like my sister recommended, I just reach out and ask for informational interviews, right? Uh-huh. And... Um, I guess, yeah, it was, it was more of like, I didn't think I was qualified for the job, so I didn't apply for the job. And I feel like there's, they're more likely going to like have me in if I'm, if I have no like intention of just your motive. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So that's really interesting. Um, yeah, I recommend anyone. Yeah. I recommend everyone does that if they're, if they're, if you're like a student in school and you're just maybe not confident enough to go for that first job interview, uh, just shoot most people like very few people turn me down for an informational yeah. interview i mean it makes so, sense like i we've had a few people reach out for that it seems so unique that i'm like yeah sure i'll talk to you for a little bit well, we can't always give you a full hour but we'd love to chat for you a little bit about titan so i hear that that's really cool yeah and i bring my portfolio in and say hey can you take a look at this and give me some feedback and yeah um, i'm a student i'm still learning and i'd eventually like to work at a company like this is that that kind of thing yeah exactly okay. and i was like more thinking about like the I was like going for like visual design jobs but then I was interviewing companies and they're looking for like UX designers and I didn't even understand the mm-hmm. role at that point like what what difference between like a UX designer and a visual designer is and sometimes I still don't understand the difference but <laughs> I was gonna say I think most people still don't get it and I still struggle yeah okay so so that point so that was what 2010 2011 at that point or was it right at the end of your 2010 okay. that sounds about right okay uh, so f- I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Were you married yet at that point? No, but I was dating my my now wife at the time. Okay. We I met her in high school. Okay. And she was my like high school heartthrob, and she rejected me in high school. Oh. And, <laughs> oh snap. And um, well, like she liked me. She like later confessed that she liked me, but you uh-huh. know, friends and influence from that kind of uh-huh. like be like oh no he's gross you know he's a rock kinda. star you don't want to <laughs> deal with that kind of a guy <laughs> yeah and uh but then later on we connected after after i graduated from fanshawe and okay we like we were talking on like msn at the time 
Yes. MSN Messenger. Oh, yeah. And that's how we kind of really started to get to know each other. And then she came to visit me a few times. And then we started dating. And, okay. Uh, and then, um, I guess I had a year off between when I graduated from Fanshawe and Humber. And that's when I really just, that was kind of my, like, I also spent that year kind of like figuring out what I wanted to do, like working mm-hmm. on my web design skills. And, and uh, I was just getting to know my now wife at the time. And, and then we moved into together when when I moved to Toronto. Okay. So to when, when you were during, during those years in between when you weren't in school, um, the reason I asked about her, I mean, first of all, I'm always curious, but also were you kind of living alone, working just kind of side jobs while you figured this all out? Or what was your kind of life situation like during that time? Um, the years, sorry, the years between. So, so because basically you, you got a, you got a job in 2010. This is, and we were about to talk about what I think was the first design job that you got, right? So yes. prior to 2010, were you in school the whole time, or were there any years in there where yeah, you were so, just kind of yeah, we're going back and forth here because I'm I'm spacing yeah. out and forgetting things, right? <laughs> there was that year between yeah Fanshawe and Humber, and that was me just kind of um, getting more familiar with Photoshop again because I haven't touched mm-hmm. it in a long time. But getting more familiar with code, and um, I was like living with her, but not living with her. Like she was still a student. Mm-hmm. And I was just living at her place, not like I was living with my parents, but I was just always over at her place. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I brought my computer over there, right? And we just uh-huh. pretty much lived together. Uh, and were you doing like freelance work at this point, or were no, you taking I was jobs, just, or you just kind of um, learning? And- I was just kind of learning. Like I, I took like one job that I just was not qualified to do. Yeah. And so I and I started doing and I'm like, I can't do this. And I had to say like, yeah, I'm not. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Because you I think the best way to like you just got to try it. Right. Like, yeah, that's how I'm with like maybe this is a conversation for later on. But like, no, no, that's let's, how let's I do it. That's how I'm with like speaking. Right. It's like I am really uncomfortable pu- doing public speaking, mm-hmm. but I just kind of forced myself to do it. And um, now I'm doing a lot of talks this year and I regret ever doing every one of them. But it's just like, well, I got to do them. <laughs> and I just put myself in that situation. But it's like, yeah. You know, anyways, uh, so yeah, I was like just working on my craft, I guess, in the, in that time, right? Yeah, for Living sure. With my girlfriend, and yeah, and that's okay. how I, uh, and I was just reading a lot of blog posts, learning how learning how to design. Yeah. Um. So in 2010, you got your first job, and it came out of an informational interview. So a, a couple questions around there what was your actual job supposed to be and at that point were you primarily thinking of yourself as a like a, a ui visual designer or had you started thinking about any of the other aspects of design that you do today because today obviously you're doing interface design but there's a lot of ux embedded in the stuff that you're working on as well so how did you think of yourself then and what was the actual job that you got yeah so the the formal title of the role and this just goes back to like Different places have different titles, but like the formal title was interactive designer. Okay. And that could be the same as UI designer at another company, visual designer at another company. So, and uh, the work I was doing there was more like, it wasn't so much like software design, right? Which I mostly focus on now is more Mm -hmm. like doing websites and just doing the, the creative mostly so you'd basically like be the one who says hey we're working for uh you know joe's plumbing uh here's the font that joe likes and you you'd put together photoshop documents would you also convert them or are you mainly delivering fat photoshop documents to web developers and then moving on yeah i remember when 
so going back to like the informational interview I had when it, the moment it turned into like a job interview, there's kind of that transition in that mm-hmm. part. And I got all excited. Right. And uh, he asked if I code and I knew a little bit of code and like I coded enough to build my own personal website. And that's yeah. all he wanted to know, right? He he saw my yeah, website. Yeah. He saw that it's like, it's probably not the best code, but it's like he made it, right? And and I didn't need to code for the job, but he liked that I coded because it just made it easier to communicate my ideas to yeah. the developer. And probably also because you understood the constraints that the developers are under. Like one of the exactly. things I said, like when we first started working with you, one of the reasons that we were excited to work with you, um, and we'll get to here eventually, is because... You were a designer who understood that, for example, you can't deliver something, you know, with an image that would theoretically have to go wider than the browser, but you didn't give us what the image should look like when it goes wider than the browser, right? You're like, when the browser gets a little bit wider, like, it's so clear what it's like working with a print designer who doesn't understand, uh, not even responsive necessarily, but just like, oh, you literally can't curve a thing that way in HTML. It's literally not possible. Like, yeah. And so, like, as someone who understands what it's like to implement something, your your brain was set in a different space. I think. Yeah, I think so because everything was print design back then, right? Yep. Um, there was no responsive design. Um, yeah, that's for sure. And everything was even like if you wanted to use like a custom font, it was like you embedded it as an image, right? Yep. Uh huh. So, and I'm a, I was a big font guy, right? Like I didn't yeah. like using just like the de- the the web defaults, right? Like so I always search for new fonts and it was just I'd export that as an image. Yep. So I did a lot of the exporting stuff. And uh but then yeah, I usually hand that off to a, a the front end developer. Okay. And and I was when I was working there, I was the only designer at the company. Okay. And it was a small company. Um I think there was like eight or 10 of us in total. Was it a consultancy that just kind of took client work and exactly did a design, build the front end, maybe integrate it with CMS, deliver it, move on to the next client? Yeah. And they kind of specialized and they, they had a lot of, they worked with a lot of media companies. Mm-hmm. So um, like television production companies. Mm-hmm. And I think that was just as a result of like they worked with one and word of mouth yeah. and they, you That's know. Who you know. That's who that, It often works that way. Yeah. So I was doing a lot of that stuff. So, okay. So what was your next transition after that? I mean, did you stay at that job for a couple of years? And and regardless, what made you want to move to something different? Yeah. So I was in down working downtown Toronto at this point at this company. And I worked there for two years, I think. And it was good. Like, I like kind of being in a small company, but there's also part of me. It's like, well, this is my first job. What else is out there? Right. Um, so I was curious and I interviewed at other companies, but then we also wanted to move back to our hometown, Kitchener. Right. right. Um, cause you know, Toronto's just so expensive. I, by the way, I wish we bought a house in Toronto at that time. Because it was because now it's, it's so like different. we yeah. could have sold our house then and had no mortgage whatsoever and moved back here. So. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, but whatever, you could predict the future. Yeah, right. Uh, so, but I wanted to move back to Kitchener Waterloo, uh, and because first of all, Kitchener had this. We have a little bit of a tech scene here. Yeah, and like, um. Blackberry, you know, Blackberry, um, they kind of put our name on the map, our city on yeah. the map. 
uh, and they've kind of, and we have like the University of Waterloo. Um, so that attracts a lot of um, engineering talent. Yeah. And this kind of created this little tech community. And I kind of saw this from Toronto and I was kind of like really interested in it, but there was no design whatsoever. It was all engineers, yeah. right? Yeah. And I'm thinking I could have like a huge competitive advantage if I, if I go there. I'm like, nice. You know, there's no designers whatsoever. And there's a company I so I was interviewing at a company called Desire to Learn, and they're like an educational uh company. I they feel like I know somebody else who worked there. Or did, did you I, it might be there? me and oh, I okay, talked about okay. yeah. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> and um are you familiar with like Blackboard? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the can, same can kind you give of give like a, a real quick intro to anybody who hasn't heard of it before though? Yeah, it's like a e-learning software. It's like they um when you go to school, you it's like your login portal and that's where you can get yeah. your grades and your assignments and all that stuff, right? And I even used I used Desire to Learn when I was at Fanshawe. That was the Oh, cool. Yeah, that was one of their first clients. Uh and I had a friend working there and I was really interested in the company. And so but they never had any design either. They I was their very first visual designer. So, but step back a little bit. I was my friend recommended I apply for this job, and um, at, so I applied for it. But at the same time, the company I was working at, we had a really low time. It was not good. And uh, mm-hmm. right when I got the, right when I got offered the job, uh, the day later, my boss, before I even got to go into his office and say I'm quitting, he basically said I got to lay everyone off. We're closing the doors. Wow. So it was like the same day. I'm like, wow, perfect. Talk about timing. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. So I had a little t- two-week break there before I started my new job because I basically said, I have to put my two weeks notice in. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> and then it turns well, out it didn't. <laughs> yeah. I think I had a week. I, we were still wrapping things up. Yeah. But yeah. I, like I had nothing to do. Um, so. Okay. And, so you, you moved back because you said Desire Learn was in Kitchener or Kitchener Waterloo. Yeah. Moved back okay. to Kitchener. But like my wife was still working in Toronto. So there's a little bit of I moved in back in with my parents. Yeah, for yeah. that's that summer is when I moved in, and Caitlin was still in Toronto, uh, living at the place we still were renting out, right? Got it. And, um, so this summer, like we were kind of living a little bit long distance, but I mean we were an hour away from each other, so I saw her yeah, weekends yeah. and stuff, right? Yeah. Um, and she she was like interviewing like locally at that mm-hmm. time. And I started my job with Desire to Learn. And like I said, I was the first designer there. Um, and UX was such a buzzword at this time. Yeah. Right? Like no company understood. They're like, we need to invest in UX. But no one knew what it meant. <laughs> yep. Right? Um, and I worked at that company for two years. And in the two years I was there, I don't think anything I actually did saw the light of day. Oof. It was like one of those situations and it maybe has since I've left, right? Like I've made right. these projects and they were just sitting there and you could work on them. But yeah, that's tough. And, and right when I was leaving, they, they, they hired a, I think they have like a good design team now. They grew their design team since I've left then, but yeah. Yeah. So is that, is that why you left? Cause you just felt like what you were doing wasn't actually I was getting burnt out and I was really yeah. passionate about what I was working on where I took my work home with me Yeah, and it, and it was so frustrating to not s- like have any of my work see the light of day. Yeah. So that just burnt me out. And plus like other factors were going on in my life where 
um, we were renovating our house, renovating our house, and I'm not sure yeah. if you've been through a process like that, but my, like <laughs> yeah. never again. It's definitely and, a second job, and it's a second more stressful job. Yeah, so it's just all these stressful things in my life, and and uh, to the point where like, man, let's just get out of this city and let's go move to California. And I even went right. for like a job interview in California. They flew me down and stuff, and that was wow. kind of fun. And uh, and I didn't get the job, and like. I think the reason I applied for the job is because I was just kind of depressed and mm-hmm. I just wanted to something to change in my life. And uh, maybe some, a change and, will make everything better. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, but once I like left my job at desire to learn and, and uh, the house was done, right. Like was, we finished renovating the house, everything kind of settled down and I felt good yeah. that way. I, I didn't make that decision. Right. And so when I, when I left desire to learn, I went to, um, an insurance company, a local insurance. Well, not a local. It's like a can- Canadian insurance company. Well, do you guys have Sun Life in the states? Sun what? Life. Uh, sounds yeah. kind of familiar, but I'm not sure. Maybe because I've talked about it. Uh, Probably. <laughs> yeah. So it's an insurance company, and um, it's just a huge company, right? It's a huge Canadian company, like thousands, yeah. tens of thousands of employees. So are they based uh, out of Kitchener as well? Um, we have an office, there's an office, I say we as if I still work there. Uh, (laughs) there's an office of Kitchener. I don't even know where their head office is in Toronto, maybe, but there's offices all over Canada. Got it. Okay. And, uh, I worked there for two years and, uh, I, when I started that job, this is when I started freelancing with you guys, Titan. Okay. And it was around that same time. And it's around the same time I met Adam. And uh, I'm trying to think of a way to tell this story that has this kind of nice seamless flow, but it's kind of like <laughs> I'm trying to rec- like remember what, everything that happened. Well, uh, le- le- so let me let me turn it. Maybe this will help you out. So a lot of us kind of like when we met you and Adam. Uh, uh, so Adam worked at Titan, I think, when I first heard about you, and so I he would say, "Yeah, I've got this buddy that I'm working with, and we do these design things together." Blah blah blah. And so we just started hearing your name more and more often, and eventually he's like, "Yeah, why don't you guys, you know, like consider pulling him in for something?" And so we would, and we're like, "Oh, he's really great." So we kind of had this idea, especially because I had actually mentioned meant to mention this to the to the listeners that this Kitchener Waterloo that whole triangle is really weird because there is an an excessive amount of 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 technological like i don't know if i want to say excessive amount of talent but i don't know but there's an excessive number of people who do the type of work that i do in that one little space like you're there and adam's there and vehicles there and all these other folks are there and every time we open up a job posting it's it's a guaranteed that like at least several of the qualified applicants come from this little tiny circle out of the entire globe yeah. this little tiny circle well, so, it's like I said, it's it's that we do have this tech thing going on here. And yeah. I don't want to say like people will say, well, like we're the Silicon Valley of the North, but everyone says we're this new Silicon Valley. But it's yeah. like, no, but there definitely is something going on here. Yeah. Well, that, and I hear a lot of people say like, oh, we've got a nice little tech community. Like people say that at my, about my my local town here. And what they mean is we have more than nothing. But that's not what it is where you are. Like there is seriously like a lot of people all doing the same stuff there. So when when I started hearing about you, what I figured was Adam and Steve have known each other since high school. They grew up together. They live down the road from each other. They happen to be very talented. And when I've only learned pretty recently that that's not the case. So no, why don't true. we yes. why don't we come up from the angle of how did you meet Adam in the first place? Yeah. So I met Adam because I, I was always working on a lot of side projects. Uh, right. So when I was working at Desire to Learn, I'd be working on my 
I'd spend a lot of time working with just startups, helping them out and just kind of getting my hands dirty. Right. And uh, a friend of mine that I went to high school with, his name's Chris, Chris Albrecht. And he, I always wanted to work on projects with him, but he was always busy. He had Mm -hmm. like a kid at this point. He was always doing house renovations. He's one of those guys that's like good at everything. Like he can build a house and he's like a developer and he's just like, and, and, you, you kind of want to hate him for it. Like, <laughs> just, you don't because they're also good at being like a wonderful person, but you want to yeah, hate him a little bit. Yeah, that's the problem. That's yeah. the, like, <laughs> yeah, you want to you wanna hate him. You're good at everything. And, yep. But then he's just uh, an awesome person. You yeah. can't hate him. So it's like, well, <laughs> God, man. Uh, yeah. And, but he took uh, a, like a software development course at Conestoga College, which is a local college. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where he met Adam. And the, I think the two of them were like the top of the class. So yeah. Chris talked very highly of him. And he said, Adam works on a lot of side projects like like I do. I should connect with him. Okay. And I said, yeah, sure. And I, I, I just sent Adam a message on LinkedIn. And it. it's funny. I tweeted that recently, like the, the message I sent to him. And it was like, oh, cool. it's, it's funny when I reread it because I dug it up and I reread it. And it's like not how I talk to him at all. It's like I I'm really like proper. Yeah, I'm like ask was really formal. Yeah, it's a really formal like. Hey, we should connect. I heard a lot of great things about you. I hear you're like yeah. a, kind of you're a good designer and you're a good developer. It's a really rare combination. It's just like, and now we just talk like bros, right? Where yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but it was funny rereading that, and I just said we should meet up and 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 grab coffee and uh, and I just kind of showed him some of the work I'm doing and he showed me the stuff he's working on and I said we should work on a project together and just to get a feel for each other and see what it's like working with each other and, and maybe that can turn it to something else right and I think the very first thing we worked on was like he happened to be working on this like resume builder app yeah I remember that and I had this idea for a resume builder app and I was kind of designing one but they're both separate projects and we're like well we're working on the same thing let's why don't we build this together and not we never took it seriously right we just kind of yeah. like wanted to get a feel of what it was like to work with each other so yeah we did it and we got it half done and and uh not and that will never see the light of day right, right. that was enough <laughs> yeah and uh but i did like working with him that's what, what we learned about each other right yeah i really like that he's got a really good sense of design and and i have that way of like we talked about earlier that like i understand a little bit of code yeah. so it's i can communicate with them effectively so i think we had that good dynamic that worked, worked well together so yeah and i think i met him i'm not sure if i met him when i was working at desire to learn or when i went to sun life but no i met him when i worked at desire to learn because the reason i went to sun life it's like i was going there because a it was a pay increase so that was nice nice but i knew i was going into this big company that was just like like a huge bureaucracy, yeah, right? You're and a cog. Like, I'm, I'm going to be miserable there. Yeah. And but I kind of went there because this is around the same time I was talking to you guys, and mm-hmm. and I'm like, well, I can make this transition into freelance, maybe. And you guys were kind of like my first starting point there. And what brought me to Sun Life is like, well, I'm going to work my nine to five, and when I get home from work. It's it. like, I'm going to turn that off yeah. and then 
turning that off and then I can work on freelance projects. And that's when yeah. I was that's what I was doing for you guys. So, And that's the type of job you want to have if you're going to start that transition to freelance is a type of job where you can turn it off at the end of the day, which yeah. if it were your sole thing, it would be worse because you want a job you love. But if it's the yeah. thing that's helping you transition, you actually want one that that you don't love and you don't care about that goes away. That's really interesting. Yeah. Like I almost didn't care if I got fired. Yeah, yeah. Like it's that kind of thing. That's cool. I didn't want to get fired because it paid the sure. bills, but it's... Uh, you, were, you weren't emotionally or like mentally tied to it other than showing up and doing the things you should do to get the paycheck, basically. Yeah, exactly. Huh. Okay. So um, this is where you get more familiar with where I come into the yeah. picture. And so, so I was working pretend with like I don't know it. So yeah. <laughs> so for so I, I work on a few projects with you guys and I was also doing a few projects with Taylor. Right. And um, I think the first thing I did for him was Spark. I did the first Spark website. Mm-hmm the website and I did a logo for him. And I think I did that before I started working with you guys. And then, cause Adam recommended me to Taylor and then he recommended me to you guys. And I knew nothing about Laravel at this point. Like I only know about Laravel because of Adam, like Adam got Laravel famous. Right. And I said, <laughs> Hey man, can I come with you? Me too. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, so so when so I remember that you were doing that transition stuff. When did you sw- when did you leave Sun Life? What was the kind of the moment? Um right, because I was talking I did a few projects with you guys and then I'm not sure who suggested it first, but we basically had an arrangement. I think like yeah, it might have been like you who suggested. It doesn't matter, but like you guys wanted a designer because yeah, you never yeah. had a designer at your company and Taylor just wanted an ongoing designer, but he like Neither of you had like enough work to fulfill like a 40 hour week. Yeah. So the arrangement was it's like, well, I do one week with Titan. Yep. One week with Taylor. And then I'd have an off week to go find any other freelance work. Right. Yeah. So we had that arrangement worked out. And, um, and then, and you guys, you know, you guys matched my salary at some so it felt easy going into. It was easy to convince my wife. It all worked out, right? So we made that. I made that leap, right? And that's what brought me to that kind of thing. And I, I've I've been working with you guys for how long have I been with you guys for now? Has it been two years with this arrangement? It's funny. I've been with like every job I've had has been two years. <laughs> that's it. That's just that's your magic number. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's been two years because I think we did one year and at the end of the year we thought about it and we re-upped it. So it's probably been two years this way as well. So yeah. And I mean, we're on pause right now. Right. And that's uh, in the we'll yeah, talking about that shortly. story. Yeah. Um, but so I was doing that and I don't know. Next question, I guess. What's yeah. The- yeah. <laughs> so, the, so I think that. That, that worked really well, and I think it was really great for us. I mean, that's a curious business thing that anybody else can ask any of us more about is, is that idea where, you know, Dan and I, since Dan and I are both um, liberal arts majors with design aesthetics who are programmers, and so we always wanted a designer. From the earliest days of Titan, we wanted a designer, but it was hard for us to really justify at the beginning. So this was a really cool way to do this kind of transition, and now we have a full-time designer and have had Steve working with us for a while, but it took us this kind of a experience to start building design into our workflows and our ways of billing. So just anybody who's curious about that, it worked out really, really, really well for us. But the next part of the story was what you used in that third week, right? And that third week was a combination of, I think, finding other clients, but also starting to become uh, not just Laravel famous, but eventually just kind of web development 
broad internet famous and then there's books and stuff like that so where yes. where were you thinking what was your kind of approach what was your attack what was your mindset what were the first steps you took to kind of start using that time and start garnering a reputation yeah i think for the first year i was doing a lot of i was just doing i was using my time for freelance and i was yeah. finding new freelance clients and i don't even remember any of the projects i did in that time yeah even though it was like a year ago probably like two years ago <laughs> um but they're just like little one-off things right uh, but it was still like the, the tricky part about that thing. It's like, well, I'd, I'd work on a freelance project for a week, but there was more to do after working after that week with that. Like, yep. like for you and Taylor, we ha- all had this understanding. Well, I'll be back with you in two, three weeks. But it's right. like when I get a new client, it's like, well, I had to be like full disclosure. I have this arrangement going on so I can yep. work with you this week, but I won't be back with you till the following week. And they had deadlines. So it's like, well... I don't know how long I could do this for, right? Yeah. I can only pick like certain projects that last. So it was hard to find clients that worked out that way, right? One week or less at any given moment. Yeah. And so what I spent my time doing is just working on my personal brand, right? Or working on little side projects. And I, um, the first kind of project I did was Hero Patterns. That was like, and that was like a website for, it's like SVG background patterns. You can go on herepatterns.com and you can, it's just a bunch of patterns that you can use for like a, a hero background or whatever you want to use it for. And I built that just as a fun project. I wanted to like kind of learn more about SVG. And, and so that seemed like a, the right step. And, and I just wanted to like kind of add it to my portfolio and mm-hmm. it, it will kind of add to my personal brand and and then I released a bunch of like icon sets. Yeah. So that's what I was kind of doing in that in that time, just working on like free open source projects. Yeah, and those those took off pretty quick. I mean, I remember seeing Hero Patterns and I think Zonicons as well on things like CSS tricks. So it was pretty early on that you were releasing these things and they were getting picked up pretty broadly. Yeah, well, the Laravel community has certainly helped with yeah. growing my my Twitter following, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, because it's such like a the whole community is really active on Twitter, first of all. Yeah. And then I had like Taylor and Adam like retweeting my stuff and that really helped. And like, you know, Taylor had like probably like 50,000 followers at that time. So it all just helped. Yeah. So I was growing my following there. And then like Hero Patterns was getting posted on Product Hunt and that was, that really helped. And and from there, where does that bring us to? Like I was, I was doing all this like little open source projects and then, and then I started doing the tips, right? Yeah. I th- let's let's move up to that because I don't know what else I could. T- I oh, I released another little project, a uh, Heroicons, which is like yeah, S- SVG icons, um, like marketing icons. Like they weren't meant for like in-app experiences, but more of like the like if you use if you go on like a marketing page and you're like mm-hmm. showing like a feature section, you got the icons there and you can customize the colors and it's I thought it was a pretty interesting idea when I made it and it was a fun little thing and I can make some money off of it. And and I released that and it did okay. Like I think I made like like ten thousand dollars in the first okay. few months kind of thing. Yeah. Over that period. Uh but Adam was launching his books right and his courses and they're doing insanely well and it's like and i saw him doing that and i'm thinking at this point i'm like i want to 
I, I think I could like maybe do like a design book or something like that. And I had all these ideas for like what a design book could be for developers. And I was kind of sharing these ideas with Adam and he kind of encouraged me to build my following first. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that, Cause that's what he did. And that's what made his launches so successful. It's like he kind of proved that yep. what he's making is worth it. Yeah. So, um, I so and then I started doing the the tips on Twitter to kind of prove that I know what I'm talking about and I kind of can provide little so basically the tips the, the if you're not familiar with them um they're little bite-sized design mm-hmm. tips like it's just like here's a a before of something that like something a developer might design and here's an after of how you can prove it and it's just kind of like Take it, and it's an instant improvement, instant gratification. Yeah, and and they've evolved over time. Like the first tips were just like I was working on a project for like you guys, let's say, yep. and I take a screenshot of that project I was working on and and post it, and that was it. And uh, immediately they started doing well. Like the people like started seeing them, and they're like, "Wow, these are pretty useful." Yeah, and. But then they just and then they just grow and grow and grow and grow, right? The, and the tip idea, by the way, I stole like the hot tip idea from Adam because he was doing like hot tip like code tips, right? And he stole it from West Boss because West Boss has been doing it for years. Yeah. And I talked to West Boss about that recently, and he said he kind of stole that idea of a tip from someone else. Uh, really? <laughs> yeah, but he kind of made it his own by adding the fire emoji. Yeah, yeah. And we've the all copied tip. the fire. Yeah, yeah. But now people think. I created the fire tip, right? And like, there's people copying sure, me. Sure. And it's all great, right? And it all grows yeah. from there, right? Um, and then I kind of, like I said, I was working on these projects, and I would have, I'd be, I'd maybe work on something, and I see like, well, that's an interesting insight, and I take a screenshot of it. Yeah. But then, then they became like a higher quality thing. It's like, well, in order to communicate this idea, uh. I need to make this own little thing specific like, like for this. Compose the tweet with all the like you made like a little yeah. graphic side by side with bullet points and everything, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So the very first tips I was doing, I was just kind of doing them and I'm not thinking of it. And then Adam would bring in a lot of ideas. He'd uh, he'd share his like this would be a cool tip for you. And sure, sure. So and then we'd work on it together, right? Yeah. And and then they became like with both of us working on them together, it became like the quality became went up and up and up and yeah we try to make each tip better than the last and and so they eventually just did really well and and um, like i think the biggest tip i posted got like thirteen thousand likes <laughs> and like and like um like three thousand retweets Holy you know crap i knew that they had gotten big but i did not realize that, that's that by big. far the biggest one like yeah, yeah. at the beginning like the they were like getting like the very first one i ever did they got like 40 likes and then from yeah. there it got 100 likes then it was 300 likes i'm like whoa that's so yeah, yeah. big <laughs> and now today it's like i can't post one without getting at least two thousand likes and like 300 retweets so uh um, they just, okay yeah and they just spread so far and uh that's awesome. People like the last tip I tweeted. It's like people are hijacking the first comment because they know they see a little fire emoji in a, yeah, in a yeah. tip, and they're like, first comment." <laughs> <laughs> At least it's first comment and not. Do you see this? You should go to my course. No. Blah 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 blah. No, it was a friend of mine who was just kind of joking because you know when like Kanye posted yeah, a tweet, exactly. people try to hijack it with their art and say, "I," you know. Yep. 
<laughs> That's awesome. Um, and I, I wanted to point out something real quick here that I think one of the reasons that these spread so much is that, first of all, they're really high quality. You really know what you're doing. There's not a lot of people talking about it this way. And um, they're really easy to digest and apply. So there's one aspect. They're just really good tips. Like just broadly, this is just a really good idea. But I think the other piece about this is that your tips, um, you mentioned the fact that like Kitchener-Waterloo, like there's a lot of dev and not a lot of design and we have talked about this for a long time about the laravel community and other programming especially back-end programming communities like i have clients all the time that says yeah well you can tell this was made by a developer referring to something that that they they have that they're asking us to fix up and that 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 means something you can tell this was made by a developer means it doesn't look good it's hard to understand the the information density is bad the flow is not good and so like there's this big very big issue with us as developers knowing how to put stuff on the page but not really knowing how to make it and such that it's going to be uh, not even just enjoyable, but like uh, understandable for the end user to kind of really kind of get the information out in, a, in a, a reasonable, pleasant way. And one of the things I love about your tips and a lot of your teaching is I think that it reflects the fact that you do understand developers and you do understand development and you do know code and you know enough developers and work with enough developers to know where our shortcomings are, that you're not just putting out generic design tweets, but uh, many of these tweets, not all, but many of them are explicitly useful for people without a design background who are put in context that that because we're application developers, we need to build user interfaces. We don't know what you're doing. And so like, I feel like a lot of like basic design tips that people give tend to be relatively useless to developers because it's the same three things you've heard over and over again. But you really narrow in on practical design tips that help application developers. And I, I wanted to point out that that is something I think probably comes intentionally, but I also probably comes a little bit because of the specific background you do as a tech uh, adjacent designer, right? Yeah, and I think, also, um, Adam's involvement too is a sure, huge. Sure. Like I'm more or less like the face of refactoring UI, but it's it's honestly it's like Adam and I are doing it half and like basically the the tips are like from the birth of like a tip idea. It's like me and Adam will be Adam might point something out to me and saying you know this is an interesting little insight, mm-hmm. and I'll have a sketch file of all my tips and. I'll either take a screenshot of something and I'll passively work on it until it best communicates the idea. Sure. And, and me and Adam are going back and forth at this point. And, and then there's like the tip launch day that we decide we're going to post this. That's like a two week process before it actually nice. gets ready to like, get ready to post it. And then me and Adam jump on a call and spend time like figuring out like how we want to like word this, how we do we frame it in a way that communicates it. So like a lot of time gets put into these, but yeah, certainly, yeah, I have that kind of background that kind of helps communicate to developers, but um, I don't want to discredit Adam whatsoever. Like, I he's, love that. Yeah, yeah, he's um, equally involved in that process yeah. and he's coming with his developer point of view. And like I said, he's got a really good sense of design as well. Yeah. And to be fair, like some of the tips we've even posted, I never even thought of them as tips because I'm so, I have a designer mindset, right? Sure, sure. But Adam like, was able to help you see that that's actually... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, some of them, it's like, one of the tips, for example, is like offsetting a box shadow to make it appear like a light's coming from above to make it look more natural, right? Right. And he suggested that tip. That was his idea. Because I never even thought of it as a tip. I'm like, I just do that. Like, sure, sure. Like, it's just like second nature. It's like, mm-hmm. I don't even think about when I do it. Doesn't everyone do that? Yeah, yeah. You know? And there's a, quite a few tips like that where it's just like, I never even thought of it as a tip before, as like that's something... Cool insightful 
Well, one of the things that I pointed out to Adam that he does intentionally, but I don't know if everybody recognizes, is that he has a talent for, um, and we haven't actually said it. This is Adam Wathen, in case anybody happens to listen to this podcast yeah. <laughs> and doesn't know who Adam is, which I, I kind of doubt as Adam Wathen. He has a knack for recognizing what everybody in a particular community doesn't know and everybody in another community might know and then yes. bringing the stuff that the other people know into the community where they don't know it. And I mean, refactoring to collections, if you were to sell that book to someone in a community where they use collections for pipelines for everything, they'd be like, why would I spend money for this book? But but Adam understands how to bridge that information. And so part of his talent, I think, is helping bridge the, the knowledge that you have as a talented designer and a tech-adjacent talented designer who does have a lot to offer, but he's also able to help you bridge that gap into kind of developer mindset. So that I'm, I love that you brought that point up. Yeah, I think that's very accurate. Adam's really good. Adam's probably the best teacher I know. Him and Jeffrey Way are like mm-hmm. the really good teachers. Um, Adam's probably the, one of the smartest people I know. And and uh, the the like him and my other friend are the smartest people I know. But the other guy that I'm speaking of is he was almost an astronaut. So like <laughs> that's how right. I compare Adam to like, it's sure, like they're, sure, sure. they're po- completely different. Like he couldn't do what Adam does and Adam couldn't do what he does. So, yeah. Uh, well, you mentioned refactoring guys. So that's a perfect segue. So uh, hot tips was a big thing. And then you and Adam decided you guys were going to make refactoring UI together. A lot of people have questions about that. You did just launch it. Um, so before we talk about how it started, what did it end up being? What is what is refa- if somebody's never gone? What is refactoring UI right now that they can go purchase? Yeah, refactoring UI is it's sort of a package. It was kind of like um, pitched as a book, right? Uh, that that takes all of the uh, basically pitched it as a book to help developers get good at design, right? Right. Um, but we kind of made this whole package, this whole resource for developers to help them make their designs better. So there's the book aspect, and that's probably the main component that everyone's familiar with. But then with that, there's we provide like color palettes. So um, a big problem with uh, developers is they don't know how to choose colors. So we just kind of provide a bunch of color palettes for them. And right. uh, we provide a bunch of font recommendations, and there's an icon set in it. So it's this big package that you can go pick up. Yeah, so that totally makes sense. And I mean, and, and it's good to know it's not just a book, right? Because I think that it's, it's you guys said, what's the best way we can teach this? And it's not just book. It's also resources that help you do the thing. And there's videos too, right? I think you mentioned that. Yeah, there's a, yeah. yeah I didn't mention that. There's videos okay. in the package. And the videos are kind of like taking the ideas that are introduced in the book and applying them to like a real world example, right? Yeah. And you tweeted so, out a couple of those. So if somebody wants to get a, a sample, they can see kind of what that's like, right? I think yeah, you tweeted there, some. Yeah, there is, uh, there is one video available you can watch. Okay, well, we cool. emailed it out to the mailing list. So you can sign up and you can get that. Okay. And um, you can also check out, like, if you're interested in that kind of thing. Like, I also have a YouTube channel where I do, like, UI breakdowns. And that's all go. part of yeah. it. So Okay. So, so we now know what it ended up being. And it just launched. I mean, right now it's January 11th and it just launched a couple weeks ago. A month ago, ago. I think. December 11th. Yeah. December okay. There you go. There you go. When did it start, if you remember? And what were you originally thinking? Yeah. So, like I said, I was thinking, like I saw Adam get successful with all his courses and stuff. And I'm thinking, well, I could maybe do that with with design for developers. So, the original idea was I was going to write a book. And, right. And, um, but I was bouncing my ideas back and forth with Adam and it just made sense to 
get him involved in the project. And I think this is even before I started doing tips. I thought I was going to write a book, right? And uh, it only made sense to get him involved and kind of make it a 50-50 partnership because he can bring his kind of developer frame and he uh, frame of mind to it and uh, and kind of articulate the ideas that I have. So much better than I could. Um, So, so, but at that point it was still a book. What thinking process did you guys go to when you were starting to write this book that made you realize it needed to be more than just that? Right. I think when we started working on the book, there was a few ideas in the book that it was too difficult to communicate in like the way we were kind of and the way we're writing it and yeah, like the, yeah. style, the style of writing it was. And there's a few ideas we wanted to communicate that just couldn't be communicated that way. And that's where we realized we need to make some videos attached to it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I mean, there's a few insights in the videos that you can't necessarily find in the book because maybe it's a little more hand wavy, right? We like to make the book very... Um, very concrete. Yeah, very concrete, where in the video, there's a few ideas that are a little more hand wavy, right? So... yeah. Um, so what what was the hardest part about writing this book, about this whole process for you? Yeah, making the book was a roller coaster of emotions. And oh, yeah. Was, well, you've been through this, right? It's just yeah. like, and just, I think early on, we had all these ideas of what the book was going to be. Mm-hmm. We spent so much time planning and not enough time just doing it. And what we realized is we should have just started doing it and let it just kind of unfold, right? Right. What was the hardest part? I mean, so like I made, the book is more or less a picture book. It's like there's there's more words than there are pictures, or so there are are more pictures than there are words. Uh, I made about 300 images for the book. Wow. And they're not just like, a lot of books will just like take a real world example, take a screenshot of it and yep. put it in their book. Yeah. Um, but we had really specific points we wanted to communicate. And so we thought the best way to do is is design like a little UI for it. And one of my goals with the images was to make it so... First of all, I wanted to make it like... Like I might design an entire UI just to communicate how to do a drop shadow, right? Yeah, yeah. And I thought it'd be cool if like every image in the book is something you can kind of go ahead and create yourself and kind of challenge yourself to create that image in the book. And I want it to be like other little hidden gems within all the images. Right. So it's like, Oh, um, this we're teaching how to do a drop shadow here or box shadow. And, but I noticed in this little UI example, you have this and I never would have thought to do that on my own. Yeah, UI. Yeah. So there's a whole bunch of little hidden gems like that in the images. So that took a long time, but the, the way we delegated work with the book was Adam wrote all the words we worked on all the concepts together. Okay. Um, to figure out like how we communicate these ideas. And Adam wrote all the words and I did all the images. And got it. Uh, like each some chapters like would be like there's like two hundred words, but then like nine complex images. Like yep. so it's like yeah. uh so I just I couldn't do any of the writing with the amount of time I was spending on the images. So for sure. So what and, you're saying uh, is is you did all the work and Adam just kind of mailed it in, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm no, just kidding. no, no, no. no I, yeah, I couldn't I, have done it without. Uh, like I like I said, Adam is far better at articulating these concepts than I could have yeah. ever done that. If I wrote the book myself, it would have been an uh, I don't want to say a failure, but it just it wouldn't be as near as good. 
Yeah, and I, I want to attest to the fact that um, I know both of these guys relatively well at this point, and they basically disappeared on the, off the face of the planet for weeks at the end there because they were both putting in such long days. I mean, tell me a little bit about that time for you. Yeah, so just for the listeners, uh, I was I had my kind of thing, my gig with you and Taylor, and I think I sent you guys a note at the end of September maybe. I think so. Yeah. Is that right? But right. And Adam and I were kind of like passively working on the book at this point, but we realized like I needed a full time commitment. Yeah. So I sent you guys a note saying, Hey, I know you guys knew as we were working on this book, we were like getting towards gearing up launching this. And so I sent you guys a note saying, Hey, do you mind if I go on a leave? And you guys were fully understanding about it. And that was awesome. Um, I feel like I'm in debt to you guys for that. But no, dude, not at all. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, so, and then that was in September. So, and then we had already had like a launch date in our head. We wanted to get it done before the new year. We kind of already announced that we're going to get it launched by fall 2018. Right. Right. And, and then I just worked on the, we worked on the book for like three months there. And there was a break in between where we were both, and you're there too, invited to speak at Laracon Australia. Yeah. And uh, both Adam and I made a bit of a family vacation out of that too. Like we spoke at the conference, but it's like, well, going to Australia is a once in a lifetime opportunity and our wives want to come. So we brought our whole family along. And, and I got to meet so the that, families and I loved it. Yeah. And so that was a two week break we had in there. And then when we got home, we realized like we wanted to launch it at the end of November. That was the original goal. Yeah. But when we got back from Australia, we're like, that is impossible. Uh, There's no way to get this amount of work done in that amount of time. So we pushed it back a bit. And we didn't actually have a date in mind, but we're thinking we got to get it done before the new year. Because if we don't get it done by, if we didn't get it done in the week we got it, then we probably would have postponed it to the new year. Yeah, because it's just too close to Christmas and everything's too crazy. Exactly, exactly. Even at the time we launched, it was a little bit, eh, I don't know. And so, yeah, and we were just like, like, like you were saying, we were kind of just kind of disappeared, right? And we were, especially in the last like week, that was uh, I I didn't I didn't sleep for three nights the last three yeah. days before the launch. Yeah. I was up for seventy two hours. I think I got like maybe two hours of sleep in that period. I saw you at the end of that period. <laughs> yeah, not your healthiest was, self. No, and I was like just neglecting my family. I didn't like my wife was incredible about it. She even said, "Hey, if." Would it be helpful if I go sleep at my parents for the next few nights just huh. to get out of the house and you have time to yourself? And wow. And so she was incredible for that. And yeah, and that was just, that was, yeah. I, we were trying to, I was trying to stay active on Twitter because when I needed to like kind of keep promoting the book and keep, yeah, yeah, make, make it look like I was still alive. But yeah. <laughs> So, so because we're we're pretty short on time, I try to keep these under an hour, and we're going to go a little bit over. I I want to ask you a lot more questions, but I I want to at least push on this one thing. Uh, what did it feel like to put out your first big product, and and what were you doing uh, after the launch? And and now that it's been a couple weeks, what's how do you reflect on that experience about about having done it about the the launch day? Um, does this make you want to go do it, do something like this again? Or do you say never again? Like, how, just how do you feel about it right now? I don't think I'll ever work on a book again, for sure. Yeah. But I'm all down for like working on projects like this again, like big product okay. launches. They're, they're fun. The, so I know when Adam, like where he did his refactor to collections book, it was kind of like he was working on that in the evenings and stuff while he was working for you guys. 
Yeah. And then he had this unexpected huge launch and that enabled him to quit his job with you guys yep. and pursue that stuff full time. So that was like pure excitement for me, for him. For me, the build up to this, there was kind of an expectation that this was going to do well based on the, uh, yeah, like the every hype. time we post, po- yeah, the hype associated with it. So there's all the excitement was almost before the launch. And then after the launch, it was kind of like, it, it was, I'll say it was incredibly successful. Um, but that success almost hasn't even hit me yet. Was it a little anticlimactic? It's kind of like work, 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 and then it's just out there. And then, like I said, we were up for like the 72, 72 hours prior to launching. And even after we launched, it was just like support emails. Uh, yeah. it, like we were working incredibly hard after the launch, too. Yeah. Uh, and now it's starting to like settle in and um, uh, it's starting to calm down a little bit. And now it's starting to like feel like, wow, that's that was we did something incredible, right? Because yeah, it's not yeah. even just like the success of the launch of the book and, and all the money it made, but it's also just like, I feel like we actually made something that yes is big. Yes. Right. I feel like the, the thing we delivered to the world was like, this is really going to help people. Yeah. And uh, we really wanted to make something that was, is going to hold up over time. Right. Yeah. We didn't want anything that's like, we try not to be too like, on trend in the book. We want yep. it to be really something that's going to like be relevant 10 years from now. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So that was our goal. Like, I mean, that's hard to do, but it's like we did our best at it, I think. And I think yeah, we I'm, made something... Yeah. No, sorry. Uh, um, I think that the best books that really tell that is is when there's a book where the only irrelevance it would ever have is if the things that it teaches have become so internalized by everybody that you then read the book and go, okay, well, yeah, I already knew that. And I think that that is the most likely case, if anything, of its irrelevance is these things become known. Like there's a couple technical books. One is How to Make the Web Faster, I think it was called by Steve Souter. And there's one other that I had in my mind. Oh, Adam's a Refactoring a Collections book. I used to have questions in our interview process that would be best be answered by a collection pipeline. And then Adam released his book. And then after about six to nine months, those questions no longer helped me figure it out because everybody read the book and everybody knew the answers, right? Yeah. So yeah. I think that the, if there were any irrelevance of this book or this project going forward, it would hopefully be that so many people consume it, it becomes so well known that it's still like a go-to reference book. But a lot of people say, yep, you know, I learned that. So I, I like that. Yeah, um, we've, we targeted but, the book towards developers, but it's also like resonated with designers, right? Yeah, clearly. Uh, a lot of designers told me that it appealed to them. It's kind of like the back to basics almost for designers yeah. as well. It's mm-hmm. not just like a, uh, it's back to basics to visual design, right? Like everything is so yeah. like hand wavy, all the information out there, but this is like, here's some concrete knowledge on yeah. designing interface, doing visual design. Yeah. So, and um, sorry, I kind of interrupted there. You had a question. No, I no, thought. no, that's fine. That was, that was it. So, I, I I have one big question I want to ask you at the end, but I asked people on Twitter what they wanted to ask you. And most of these, I either they're they're silly or they're not appropriate for a podcast, something like that. But there are uh, there are two I want to ask um, just because. So one of them is how tall are you? From Johnson Page. Yeah, I'm five eleven. Okay, five eleven. And then one of them is what is the weirdest? Not as tall as Matt. Not Matt's quite. Much taller. Yeah, <laughs> six two. It's close. <laughs> uh, another one. Aiken Roberts asked, "What's the weirdest thing you put in a sandwich?" Um, I'm a pretty simple man. I don't think I put anything. Now there might be something weird that I put on a sandwich that's like Canadian and foreign to you. That's like normal for me. So, like but, mayonnaise and a burger or something like that. 
Of course I put mayonnaise on a burger. You, you know that's Canadian, do- right? <laughs> really? Yeah, that's super Canadian. That's a Canadian thing. Yeah. Like No kidding. Like I do it, but I remember like like so I grew up in Michigan and the first time we went up on a trip and I had McDonald's there, they put mayonnaise on it and our minds were completely blown. We're like, why is there mayonnaise no on kidding. McDonald's burger? Yeah, that's Canadian. What do you guys use mayonnaise for then? Uh, sandwiches usually, but just not burgers. And I, I okay. think mayonnaise at a burger is brilliant. My whole family does it, but it's not a normative American thing for sure. No kidding. So that's the weird thing I put on burgers. There you go. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, Jesse asks, who is your favorite high school teacher? Yeah. Jesse went so, to high school with you. Yeah. I just said, yeah. I tell me like, we were talking earlier in the before the podcast started is yeah. that I went to high school with Jesse and uh, uh, I started, my name started getting more familiar in the Laravel community and he's already in the Laravel community. He reached out to me one day and saying, like, see you, Shogar, from high school? And sure <laughs> enough. So awesome. So, yeah. But I am curious. What, and not not just because I want to uh, tickle his fancy about high school, but what, what did you have a subject in high school that you really liked or a teacher you really liked? Yeah, my favorite, high, my favorite teacher in high school was my art teacher. His name was Mr. Okay. Barry. That makes um, sense. I think, I think he just saw the best in me, I guess. Mm-hmm. And that's because uh, I was kind of a, I was kind of a shithead in high school. I was kind of a, I was like, not a good student. You're a rock really, star, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and he just saw the best in me. And uh, that's cool. Um, yeah, I think he's retired now. I hope he's doing well. I I ran into him a while back. I don't think he knew my name, though, but he recognized me. And that's cool. So I hope he's doing um, well. All right. And then the last question, um, other than how can people follow you, which we'll get to in a second, is, um, let me see who it was that asked it. I should credit them. Sebastian Koziel asked, what's next? What's next? Um, so right right now, um, like the past few weeks, I've been kind of doing some refactoring UI updates. Okay. Uh, so expect a few updates with that. I want to get back into YouTube videos. I want to get back into... I'm working on a project with Taylor next month. Oh, cool. Um, and then the next thing I'm working on is like the next big thing I'm working on is I'm going to be helping Adam with Tailwind stuff and we're going to be growing oh, cool. that. And yeah. And we, I'm not going to announce anything yet, but we got a, we got a, some big stuff coming. happening with that. So, so if somebody is curious about that big stuff that's happening, how should they best follow you? <laughs> uh, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm very active on Twitter. Um, at Steve Shogar. My, is at Steve Shogar. Yeah. That's my handle. And, um, do you have an email I, list that you'd prefer they join right now? Yeah, you can sign up at Refactoring UI. We have like kind of two email lists there. We have like just like the refactoringui.com. Go to that site and there's just to get general refactoring UI updates. So if I do like a new YouTube video, we'll send you a note. And then there's like the book email. There are two different newsletters. Um, so if you just want updates on the book, um, if you want like sample chapters and stuff, it's refactoringui.com slash book. Okay. But if they just want to kind of follow what you're doing next, just refactoringui.com and sign up right there? Yep, exactly. I'd say the best way to keep engaged is Twitter, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. And if there's anything else, um, or is there anything else that you would like to say? Anything we didn't get a chance to talk about or anything you want people to check out or anything like that that we didn't cover yet? Um, I don't think so. We, We talked a lot. Yeah. We've been going for like an hour, almost over, over an hour, an hour now. now. I think so. Oh God. Yeah. It's, okay, it's you're gonna good, play. Have to ed- yeah, you're gonna have to edit this a little bit and make it. No down way, to man! Your... They're gonna sit okay. through the whole thing. I don't care. <laughs> they'll love it. They'll they'll wish I talked to you for an hour longer, just like I always do. So, well, Steve, dude, it has yeah. been a ton of fun. I mean, it's been a ton of fun knowing you as a person and being able to learn from all this stuff. But it's also been a ton of fun talking to you today. So, thank you so much for your time and telling us a little bit of your story. Yes, thank you. Thank you for having me. All right, that's it.